make noise. Make noise, make noise, make noise, make noise. Make noise, make noise, make noise, make noise, make noise. Make noise, make noise. Make noise. I've known this man for many years. I love him. I love what he stands for. I've watched this man go from giving me shirts to wear the video, taking the shirts back from me, going to another video, giving it to somebody else, to actually taking over the streets, getting a deal with, with, with a big investor, I, I believe it was Samsung, taking over the world and becoming a global fashion icon and a force in the 90s and 2000s. This is a man that I actually am friends with. I really love him. I respect him. His <laughs> name is Damon John. What's happening, brother? What's up, man? How you doing? You look good, man. You look good. You look like you're steaming or you're doing something, man. <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm not flying all over the world anymore like 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 many of us, so I'm getting some sleep. Yeah. Now I need to get in some gym time, you know? I, I, I do the gym. I go outside. I ride my bike. I do whatever I need to do. I'm like you. I'm not flying anymore. I haven't, you know, it, it, it's over. And they're saying that um, it may be May March 2021 before we really legitimately get back out on the road so i don't yeah. know what are you hearing i mean i'm the same thing and you know and even you know listen if the you know i think for a couple of months maybe two months people are going to get really really comfortable this thing's going to come back hard and heavy um i don't think they're going to be technically closing things down but the smarter people you know the venues can't be can't be pushed you know like like okay the the, the restaurants and all that thing i think they're going to learn to operate and be open because the president don't want anything shut down but our industry with group gatherings ain't gonna happen. I don't believe well, it's gonna happen. I, I, I will I will say this. If people can be in jail and learn how to make a gun, we can figure out a safe way to make people party, a safe way to do speeches, a safe way to do all of that. It might not be the numbers that we used to have, but we will have numbers. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I know I know some other versions of how we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it virtually. But I mean, with, with a lot of people out there congregating on things, I don't think that's going to happen. But listen, I've been doing speeches now, honestly, for the last uh, man, for the last two months, I've just been doing Zoom speeches, uh, you know, and uh, uh, a lot of corporations right now want me to, you know, to to do what I do with the motivation stuff because they feel like all their people are spread apart and there's only going to be one way to get them together beside the normal Zoom. So, yeah, I've been doing that, but I'm just talking about your your industry is, whew, that one's a hard one. That, um, that one's a hard one. You know, I look at it this way, and, and I'm going to start getting to the questions because I know that, we, you know, I want to get through this really, really quick. With me, once they get to 50 people, I'll figure out what to do. I believe that it's going to turn into a movie theater kind of scenario. All right, you, you pack 300 people in a club. All right, you can bring 60 people in from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can bring another 60 people in from 8 to 10, from, from 8 to 10, another 60 people from 10 to 12, another 60 people from 12 to 2. And you might get 300 people in there, and you're going to have to learn how to work those 300 people. I think that is the future of it for the moment, and also it's going to be a lot of Zoom, which I'm starting to do myself, private Zoom parties and just things of that nature. But I believe, you know, with technology being here, we should be all right. Um, I'm not going to go through a lot of the FUBU stuff and all of that. People know you for that. I mean, like I said in, when I brought you on, I watched you go from giving me a shirt at a video, at a video shoot, telling me to take the shirt off 
and go to another <laughs> video shoot, give some give somebody the same t-shirt, tell them to get it back to to go into the to go into the convention, selling out the convention, doing that, uh, selling clothes, getting the deal, and becoming a global force. So people, if you don't know who this man is and where he comes from, there was a brand called Fubu that was that was dominant, really dominant in the late 90s and early 2000s, and this man was one of the forces behind it. Now you know him from the, from the TV show Shark Tank, and that's where, that's where a lot of people know you today from, right? Yeah, uh-huh. So, so with that being said, you know, I want to know a couple of things, because I've been thinking about this. What are your thoughts on the pandemic from a business mindset? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? Well, from a business standpoint, some of the greatest uh, companies are, uh, you know, the biggest transformation of wealth is happening right now. And the poor are getting poorer and the wealthier are getting wealthier. The ones who, because most of the big corporations that are extremely doing well are a lot of them are big tech corporations. So now people need the tech more than they need anything else. And they were, you know, the stock market is reflecting it and things of that nature. On the flip side, you know, the person that does the, you know, the, the hand-to-hand work, I mean, they're becoming, you know, obsolete to, to some extent, right, um, for various reasons, because you can't have people on top of people now, and they're also being devalued and marginalized even more, right? Um, you know, I, I've been recently calling this, uh, you know, COVID the rise of the machines, you know, kind of like Terminator. You know, this is, this, is, uh, this is how we were supposed to look in 2025, 2027, but this thing just sped up everything and 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 i and i joke about it but i'm serious you can either be john connor who keeps trying to kill the machines and you never kill the machine because the machine comes back in a different form or or i, I or you could be george jetson who gets up in the morning and you know he gets he gets shaved his his face is done he's pressed and he, and he rides the machines all the way and he and he and he lets them um uh help him maximize the day but uh, you know, it, it, it's a crazy time when it comes to COVID and what it really did. It made all of us get a little, uh, get a lot, a lot scared, and uh, reality just started to really hit everything from the racism to the machines to the technology to how how the the marginalized are treated. It's just it's just bringing out the truth and everything. Does all of this uncertainty and chaos make it hard for you to steer your company ship? And if so, how do you? stay the steady force for your employees at this time yeah 100% very hard right because you don't know what you don't know and we don't know what's going to happen and and we're we're first of all you know um first of all all of us are saying you know that we're hearing stuff like oh there's a vaccine oh there's not oh there's a vaccine oh there's not oh there's so so you kind of like on this thing where you don't want to let people go you want to hold on as long as you can but where's the new forms of revenue coming Right. So, of course, that 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 that's something always going to be a concern. Um, but true entrepreneurs, what they do is they act, they learn, and then they repeat it. And what we have to do is analyze the business, say, where's our 80 percent and 20 percent? What, what is the 20 percent creating 80 percent of the money and vice versa? All right. Then you go out to your team and you say, to your, I said to my team, I didn't hire you because you're dummies. I'm hiring you because you you're all smarter than me. You got to tell me what we haven't been doing and or an idea that you've been raising your hand and you haven't been uh, acknowledged because maybe we were too busy or there were so many other things on the plate, whatever the case is. Then you got to take inventory. Now, you may be somebody with a retail store. You may be somebody who is a, a, a talent like you or a speaker like me. Or, and what's your inventory? How much time do I have? Who are my contacts? Who's in my Rolodex? Who can I collaborate with? 
And you got to start reaching out to those people because the good thing and the bad thing about COVID is you know where everybody's at. Everybody's home on their couch with their remote control eating Cheetos, arguing with their wife or a husband. And you right. know they're all looking to do something new because they all are in the same position. Have you, have you had to cut anybody? And if so, what factors play into that? Because as, an, as a businessman, I wanted to hear from that angle, but there are people on here who are in business, the people are also employees. And I wanted to see it from both sides. I haven't had to cut anybody yet. Um, a lot of people have been moving in different directions in my company to help us, uh, you know, uh, bring in different forms of revenue from from different areas. Um, so that's what that's what really leads it to it. First of all, you look at about you look at all your staff and say, is there a position from you that you can do virtually? So if they all can do it virtually and they've been doing it, you look at that first you say okay then you look at the three or four or whatever let's say argument say i got a receptionist well i don't need a receptionist anymore but you got to ask that person what other skill sets do they have and maybe one or two other people in another department uh needs help because that department is growing because they need to start doing more stuff so you see if you can put them in, and place them in other areas and then you honestly then you start to see where the numbers are and and you're right now you know i i did a post telling everybody right now your boss is all looking at you you know and if you see that you know they're not answering emails in a timely manner or they're uh you know they're they're delayed on work then you think they they don't take it serious and what if you're just a boss forget even the owner what if you're busting your ass for the boss but you know you got a division of 20 underneath you and 16 of them are always boom 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 sending out emails all the time they're always available those four you start to then put in your mind all right. I know the four. Oh, by the way, those four are also on Instagram, you know, talking about Taco Tuesdays on Fridays. And they always seem like they're partying. They could be busting their ass. But some way or another, you don't see that. And and or maybe the person in the cubicle that used to be in the cubicle next to them that never liked them. Maybe you're the boss. You're not following that person. But the person that didn't like him in the office is just sending you links to their Instagram and Twitter and saying, did you see what Tanya was doing? Oh, I don't know. And that can also happen on the other side, too, where people be like, yo, check out what Tanya's doing. She's helping us, you know, she, you know, or, 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 or Vaughn or whatever the case is. So, you know, we'll that's how you start to analyze your business. You start to say, OK, where, you know, there's two ways to operate business. Where do I either decrease costs or increase sales? All right. So first, I'm going to try to increase sales. If I can't increase sales, then I'm going to decrease costs. Who do I cut? I'm going to cut either. The super high paid ones who are now irrelevant because that division is no longer there. So if I cut that person, I just save 30 jobs or I save 10 jobs. And then you also cut the people that you can't find uh, to put in different places in the company. Okay, that, that, make, that makes sense. Shannon Briggs, what's up? We see you. What's up, Shannon Briggs? We see what you. What up, Shannon? Um, so let, let's, you know, let's talk about your books because, of course, you know I've read them. Display of Power, uh, you know, The Power of Broke. You know, rise and yeah. grind. How, these, all of these are now at this point essential reading for people. You must, people, if you're out there, you need to read these books. You need to read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, The yeah. Success Principles. All of these books you need to get the mindset to win. And because of that, your books are extremely relevant right now. Break down the premises of the books and where people can find them. Yeah, so Display of Power was really the first uh, the first book I wrote. I, it was about my life, and it was because I felt that 
Um, because I was a FUBU guy, cats thought that I was supposed to walk into the room with gold teeth, a gun, a gun in my waist, and breakdancing. And I wanted people to know that no matter what you're selling, an ice cream, baggy jeans, or, you know, a restaurant, or whatever the case is, a lotion, um, you have to know the fundamentals of business, and you have to be able to break that down because the, the, the fundamentals is what is going to be needed. So that was my life story so people could know a little bit about how I created FUBU, what I went through, my mistakes that I made, everything else. Uh, after that, I had, I had gotten you know the, the chance to be on Shark Tank, and I came out with the brand within because I realized that a lot of people, and even, till, even today, I mean, social media really wasn't up and running then. People don't understand that they're a brand themselves personally, um, and that's what people invest in, whether we invest in you from that on social media or at the office, we invest in your brand. So I broke that down. The next one after that was the power of broke. Too many people were telling me how much they needed money to make money, um, and you had to have a famous last name and stuff like that. And I said, uh, you know, if 70 if 70 percent of the Forbes top wealthiest uh, people, the thousand top wealthiest people in the world, if 70 percent of them are self-made men and women, that means they were 70 percent of them were broke. And, uh, you know, a lot of wealthy people, actually, um, it's very hard because, you know, when you give somebody everything, you make them the poorest person in the world. And the old saying is, uh, if you wealth, the first generation makes it, the second one enjoys it and third generation destroys it. So I wanted people to understand that the power of broke is what you needed to have uh, to go out and do something and um and and how i did it and how so many other people that i know have done it the next one after that was rise and grind how do you maximize those 24 hours a day because that's the only thing that you and i have in common is we only have 24 hours a day and and why are you more successful than me or i'm more successful than this person or vice versa whatever the case is and this one before covid came i didn't realize it was going to be so important but this one's called power shift when is that pivotal moment in your life when you have to shift and you have to make different decisions and uh you know, it's crazy. It, it, you know, I started writing that book a year ago, and um, and obviously we're in a situation where I think people need that information because I don't like writing books. I'll be very honest. You know, I'm dyslexic, and I wrote three books in the last five years, and that's extremely hard for me. But every time I write a book, I think that I'm not going to write another one until somebody comes up to me and says, yo, I know that I didn't need money to make money. I know now about the rise and grind, but man, I don't feel like I got any power or, or, or somebody at my job is taking the power away from me. I'm waiting for somebody to give me power. And when I hear that enough, that's when the next book comes. When I say this question has not been answered, you know? So, you know, I heard you talk about the shift and how you have to pivot and how you have to move. And there are people who are doing it. For example, my sensei, uh, Eric is on here. Uh, he he has a a, a fitness a fitness uh, spot and he does Krav Maga. He's like a real master at all of this. He has a place called Blue Titan in Rockaway, New Jersey. When this happened, I watched him immediately pivot quickly to online. But a lot of people can't move that quick. What is your advice to people that need to move and how do they pivot? How do they move right into the next move? What what advice would you give somebody? Be humble and be ready to be embarrassed, but don't make big steps. You take affordable steps and, you know, you get on there and you, you know, you, you, you figure it out. But that's that's what real entrepreneurs do. They act, they learn and then they repeat. But too many other people get analysis paralysis. They think they need to build Rome in a day. I've been embarrassed plenty of times when I started out stuff and I failed plenty of times. I don't know. All right. We're, we're on. We're, what are we Saturday? All right. So I ain't failed today yet. 
right? So, but, you know, I, I, I take these actions, I take these steps, and that's what people got to do. You know, they just, they get frozen, and they just overthink it. Uh, now, that is maybe for somebody who's going into a position because you are representing somebody else, and you're getting hired to do something else. So, you know, a lot of times in corporate America, you don't get, you don't get, um, you don't get rewarded for any actions you take, and you get penalized, uh, you know, often if you don't do exactly what you said. I understand that. But in your personal life, and in your own business life, you got to take very small steps and you're going to figure out where you're going to go. Because when it's in your mind, it sounds great to you. Until somebody says, I hate it, it's whack, you should have did this or you should have done that. A lot of people say, man, you know, they shit it on me. No, no. They just invested in you because they didn't, they, they didn't have to tell you shit. Right. And, and, and now you get what we call data. Right. And now you're understanding how you need to move it and fix it or whatever the case is. So people only think that they're supposed to come out looking all good and all fly and all that. And I think that's because of Instagram, you know, these days, because we're always looking at everybody's sizzle reel and nobody's putting up their blooper reel, you know. And, uh, you know, so if you just, you know, act and take that action, you know, it's like it's like I always say that nothing against dads, but I think mothers are the ultimate entrepreneur. You think entrepreneurship is hard? When, when a woman brings a, a, a life into this world, I don't care how many books you read, it ain't never going to be exactly the same every child. They figure it out. This one got colic. This one it got an earache. This one, you know, this one's this. This one's that. And what happens is they figure shit out. And there's nothing harder than raising a child. And I understand for the fathers out there, I'm one too. I figure it out too, but I'm a Disney dad. I let my, my wife and my ex-wife, they do their shit. But they figure it out. And that's exactly what you got to do now. You got to figure it out. You don't say put the baby back in or, or give the baby up for adoption. You figure it out. Yeah, mothers are really, mothers are really different kinds of people. I mean, the mothers I know, you know, they'll take care of their kid. They'll, they'll get shot. And then they'll say, hold on, I'm going to put a Band-Aid on this. They'll go take care of the kids, feed the kids, take them to school, pick them up back, pick them up from school, do the homework, and then they'll go to the ER and be like, they'll take care of this gunshot. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. It, 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 it takes a different kind of person to be a mother. Uh, if you just tune in to people, we are talking to Damon John every night at 7 p.m. Eastern for Pacific. I go live through current events, news, advice, and, of course, talk to people like Damon John. For those who are sitting on the couch, just consuming content, watching Netflix, and relaxing during the pandemic, what is your advice to them? Well, my advice is government's not going to be able to save you. Nobody's going to be able to save you. And if you're consuming things, I think that you should be consuming curriculums. You should be going on to stuff like this. If you don't have the money, you know, uh, uh, there's so much stuff on the Internet uh, that people give out that are really great stuff. Um, I have digital curriculum. So many other people do. Read as many books as you can. Get the fundamentals done. You know, write down, write down also, I want people to write down their obituary. It's very, it's very, uh, it's very wow. powerful to write down your obituary. And then you'll see when you're sitting on the couch and you go, damn, I'm not living the life that I, I, I wanted to live. You know, your obituary will either say I sat on the couch during the pandemic and you know, I made it, I told, I told it was everybody else's fault. And I voted for this guy instead of that guy, or this guy instead of that guy. And, uh, you know, my pops beat me when I was a kid. You know, I, I was, when I was coming up in the hood, like you and all of us, I, we were told we were never going to be, uh, we were never going to live uh, uh, past 2021. We were going to be either dead or in jail. Um, I told I was short. I couldn't play sports. I got left back. I was dyslexic. And uh, my father left when I was 10. And I'm black. Guess what? 
none of that shit was going to change. What am I going to do now? You know what I mean? That's just what it was. It wasn't, I didn't use any of those excuses and I got embarrassed a lot of times and I fell on my face more times than I can count, but that's what it was. So if you're sitting on the couch now, COVID is here. The world is a shambles. You can only change yourself. You cannot change the world. And how do you change yourself? By educating yourself in the areas that you want to go. This could be the best time of somebody's life. This could be a time when now they get to work from home and they get paid the same amount of money they were getting paid and they put in their eight hours at home or six hours at home. And because they saved three hours of going back and forth on a highway or a train or someplace else, they use that three hours to educate themselves on the shit that they want to do in the future. And then all of a sudden they turn around, they blink their eye and two years has happened and they got their own business up and running. They got time to spend home with their beautiful family and really appreciate the real reason that they were working for shit. They're in shape right now and their obituary sounds so different from two years prior. Listen, I'm scared as fuck to write an obituary that I may not work with you on. I have to we'll have a conversation later about that. In every crisis, there's an opportunity. What opportunities do you see in COVID in this situation? Well, I, I see. Listen, I listen. The last, the last, uh, the last recession we had. You know, companies like Square and um, Uber and uh, uh, Venmo were created. I see that. Right now, if you were somebody pitching to raise funds, you don't got to get on a plane, train, or automobile because you can meet all of your um, potential investors on Zoom and they're available for you. You know where they're at. I think that there have there are going to be a lot of people with assets and or uh, inventory that need to move it. So let's say I was somebody who had people walking by me all the time by my store and I was selling clothes, these beautiful dresses, whatever the case is, or maybe shoes or whatever the case is. Um, and now... I, my spring delivery is still sitting there because I couldn't move it. But you're somebody who is a fashionista or somebody else like that. And you're like, listen, I got 2,000 people that follow me. They love what I do. I got, I got 10,000 people that follow me. They love what I do. Can you do me a favor? Can you, if I put this stuff on my shit and I get them to buy it, I want 10% of what I sell. But I still want you to also give my customers 30% uh, discount. And what happens? Well, the store owner is here going, I'm going to have to discount this anyway. I will give them 30% discount and I'll give you 10%. So I still made 60% off of it. I built my database of more people, but there's things like referrally and some other things that no matter what, whenever that person buys from then on, period, you still make your 10%. Your mm -hmm. customers sit there, your, your fans sit there and say, Wow, I always knew Deborah was fly and fashionable. She was always putting these things together and she just looked great. And now she's giving us her secrets. I love her to death. And more people recommend you, uh, you to, you know, she, they recommend you and tell people to come to your page. And you, you're sitting at home. You don't have to have a warehouse. You never had to have any kind of money. And all you did was add more value to the people who are watching you because you're having the store, ship it to them. So there's so many different ways that you can do this in so many other ways. I mean, there's a lot of people who need help and there's a lot of brilliant people here right now going, I'm just a so-and-so. Ain't nobody adjust to nothing. You could be, you could be telling, you you could be like I'm just a mother man. I raised five kids. Well, you know what? You got a lot of advice that you could be giving other mothers right now, and you can be you can be telling mothers the newest items out there. You know, kind of like that whole you know whenever you see on TV like GMA the the pick of the week or whatever. I want to talk to a mother of five kids and shit. You may want you may want to you may want to forget that talk to other mothers. You may want to talk to the dads. You, you know, a mother of five can say, listen here, let me tell you what. 
I needed in my life that if you do this for your wife, she's going to love you to death, right? I'm, right. I'm, I'm down to pay $10 a month for that, $5 a month for that, shit. Uh, that, make, that makes sense. You said in an interview, life is about what we negotiate, and most people don't know how to negotiate. Explain that. Yeah, because most people, you know, Shark Tank is spoil people. We screw people up. You know, people think you walk in the room, you know, and in eight minutes, you know, you tell your story, and then you got five offers from five sharks, and the handshake is done, and the deal's out. That's editing. Those are two-hour negotiations. Those people have been practicing for a long period of time. You see only eight minutes of it, and then after that, the due diligence starts, and we close the deals anywhere from three to six to nine months, right? Um, and people think that negotiation is this hard thing, and what they don't understand is, first of all, never in one moment when you meet somebody, generally, when you're talking about business, Maybe you're talking about a bar at a bar trying to hook up with somebody different, but deals no, almost never close the first time. That's usually just the, the dating process. Right. Also, you got to be in it for what's in it for the person on the other side of the table. Because you tell if you come in the room and say, "Well, I need this because I need this, I need this," I go, "Shit, I got enough problem with my goddamn self." You want to know what I need? Is that we here right. today to talk about what I need? You also got to study the target and understand what uh, what do they what do you think they need? You know, a lot of times the buyer or the person on the other side of the table doesn't really know what they need. Because if they knew they needed it, then they would have it already, right? So I'll give you an example. You know, when I went and talked to my guys who uh, I ended up doing the deal with, uh, me and, me and my, my boys, talked to, you know, a guy named Bruce and Norman that were, to, that were part of Samsung Textile Division, we realized that we could have went to Nike and Reebok and all those people with this idea called FUBU. And you know what they would have said? Get out of here. We're already number one, two, three, four, five. No, you want to go and hit targets who are number 30 or 20 who want to be number one, two, three, four, five. It's kind of like my boy used to say, my boy Tut, I think you know him. He used to say, man, you know, I go to a bar, man. He'd be like, yo, I, uh, I, 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 um, I go for a, I go for a two at 10. Wait, he, go, he goes, I go for, I go ugly early. I, I go, I don't, check, I don't talk to the hottest chick. You know, because right. a two, a two at 10 is a 10 at two. It's two said, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm talking about it like, like the hood cats talking. <laughs> I'm talking about, but, 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 but here's, here's how come, how, how I did that out deal. I knew that they were already in the market. I knew they had distribution. I knew they knew how to manufacture clothes. But what they were doing, they were only manufacturing jackets, bubble jackets. So they were only selling one time of the year. But what were their assets? Their assets were that they knew the buyers at Macy's. They knew how to manufacture, ship, and bill, and all that kind of stuff. So what did I say? Well, listen, during the summertime when you can't sell jackets, what about selling jeans and T-shirts to the same buyers? They're like, all right, well, we can try it. You already got the factories. And that's how we created a, a $6 billion uh, business called FUBU because I knew what they needed and they didn't necessarily know at the time what they needed. Um, also, a lot of time people, they get upset or they take it too personal why the other person on the other side of the table had, had said no, but they don't ask the right questions. They don't say, how can I make this easier for you? Is there something I'm not showing you that may persuade you to look a little further in this you know, uh, situation? Or how do they communicate? When I wrote this recent book, Power Shift, all the people in there, I got Pitbull in there, I got Billie Jean King, I got uh, Chris Jenner in there, I got a lot of people in there. Now, Mark Cuban, I sit next to him, I've sat next to this man for thousands of hours, you know, and he's a good friend of mine. And when I was having my staff call him to do the interview, they were like, 
nah, he didn't get back to me. He didn't get back to me. Or, or, or you know, like he doesn't have time. Excuse me. He doesn't have time to get on the phone or for me to fly out and meet the guy to do the interview. You know what I mean? And I said to him, I, I, I could have taken that person and been like, yo, he's fake. You know, I sit next to the dude in the chair, but he, he whack. You know, he don't, he don't really mess with me like that. But I knew in my mind there was something going on. And I said, you know what? Mark will answer on email and text a total stranger. I said, text him to see if he's willing to do the interview with my ghostwriter over text. The interview was done in 24 hours. I could have been pissed off if I would have thought that he wasn't messing with me. But so right. when people are listening, uh, you know, when people are going after a target, they need to they need to roll it all up in various ways. Why do people need me? Why am I adding value to them? You know what I mean? And, and, and all these type of things that I'm talking about. But I put that all in, uh, you know, in, 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 in PowerShip. You said Mark Cuban is a real good friend of yours. What, what kind of guy is he? What can you tell us about him that we really don't know? He's a dedicated dude. Um, he don't. You know, he don't want fame the way that people think because I've seen him give out a lot of money to people in very bad situations. Some of the some of the things that are going on today when some you know, some people have lost their children, people of color. And I've seen him give money and say, don't tell anybody I gave you the money because it's not about me. Um, he's a beers and chips kind of guy. You know, dude, dude is just a he's just a solid, solid cat. You know, like I remember taking him one time. I said, yo, man. You heard of the Rutgers? He was like, yeah, I heard of Rutgers. I was like, Harlem. I said, all right, no problem. I'm going to take you up there, man. You know, white boy, you know, I want you to come on up there with me. And I took him up there. Them cats were like, yo, Mark, you lost, you left your wallet at the bar last week up here. Like, he's, he's, he, he be in the streets, you know, like, and he don't, by himself. And he's just a good dude all around. Now, now, he recently came up with this user the losing stimulus check plan that I actually like. And it made sense to me. I felt like it would put a shot in the arm of the economy because you have to use that money or you lose it by people having to go out and actually spend the money. Did you think that was a good idea when you heard it? I actually didn't hear that one, so tell me more about it. So what he said was, he said he wanted to put a plan together where you get a stimulus check, but you have to use it in a certain amount of time. If you don't use it, the money, the money is given back to the government. His whole thinking was, if you have to use that money now on goods and services, it will put a, a shot into the economy. Yeah, so would you still be able to have unemployment? Because, of course, how do you send to somebody who can't put food on the table, you know what I mean, that, or not goods, but can't pay the rent, right? Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, how do you, how do you tell them, take it, you can't pay the rent? Or is he saying you just can't put it in the bank? Right, you can't put it in the bank. You have to use it for something. You have to pay a service or you have to buy goods or something. You have to do yeah. something within the economy. Yeah, as long as, as long, I think that's a good idea. As long, as long as, you know, you take in consideration the ones that, as long as it doesn't, um, you know, alienate people who need it for essential needs for themselves. You know what I mean? And I'm not sure what that could be. That could be medicine. Medicine, that could be doctors. But as long as, long as, long as, long as that, that's included. Now, he's, he was thinking about it. I'm not sure if he has stopped, he walked away from it, but I know he was thinking about running for president. Would you vote for Mark Cuban? I mean, knowing him personally, of course I would. If your man was running, of course I would. But, you know, um, but I, I would vote for him for if I had to really be very honest and say why I'd vote for him, because I know, you know, him being an NBA owner, you know, I know that I know that he, he has worked with people of all colors, right? Also, when he came on the Shark Tank, Shark Tank was going to 
what they were thinking about canceling Shark Tank. And they were also like, um, well, we need some stars on Shark Tank because nobody knows these other cats on Shark Tank. But Mark Burnett was like, nah, you can't have somebody who's a singer, dancer, actor, actress who doesn't operate businesses on the show because the public's not going to believe. They're not thinking these people are going to, you know, drop the mic and go and, and start actually running businesses. we got to have real business people. And they were like, all right, well, there's about a handful of business people who are stars. Mark Cuban and this person. I'm not going to say a lot of other names out there. And all of those people said, no, I will not go on the show. And Mark was the only one who is, was bigger than the show, uh, was like, if this is going to help America and help entrepreneurship, I'm going to go on the show. And I'm going to then, you know, go and walk that show on to Jimmy Kimmel and all the other shows. Because, you know, the promotion is the thing that were needed. People didn't know what the hell a, you know, a Shark Tank was. They were like, first of all, who are these five people? When do you get the money? Are you in the tank with sharks? Are you cleaning it? Is this on Discovery during Shark Week? And we couldn't explain it. Yeah, but he can go on to Ellen or any of those, and he went on and he went on and he kept going on, and then all of a sudden, uh, I think that I think the show only is here um, and only survived because of uh, Mark Cuban. Why do I say that? If you're asking me if I'm going to vote for him if he ran for president, first of all, I know, I know, I know he cares. You know, I know, and and uh, I, you know, I, I've just worked with him for so long, so you know, it is what it I is. I mean, I can just as a somebody that is from the outside. He feels the things that I like about him, he's super competitive. He means it. Like, you can just watch what, how he deals with the Dallas Mavericks. He means it. He yeah. seems very tough. He seems very no-nonsense. No but he seems very human. And, I, yeah. you know, like, I, I'm not big on people who have never run for office getting in office because you see the results of that. But I would, if, if Mark Cuban ran, I would... I would actually kind of, I would actually rock with him. The final question I have for you is: Number one, is it really your money on the line? And what is the worst pitch you've ever seen, and the weirdest pitch you've ever seen? Yeah, of course it's my money on the line because shit, if it wasn't my money, I'd be giving it to everybody. I, my cousin Pookie be on there, and I'd be like, right. and you got a hundred thousand, and you get a hundred thousand. I give it to everybody. Um, oh, what, what what do you need, man? Here, take another hundred. Um, so absolutely. Um, the weirdest pitch I've ever seen is a dude who, and I don't think the concept was absolutely crazy, but the way he was too early, he wanted to implant Bluetooth in your neck. Um, you know, and, but the, but the crazy part is here's how you charge it. You, you were supposed to sleep at night and put a, a long rod in your neck. And you know that that was probably the weirdest one that I've ever seen. And the dude looked a little nuts. Now I think I think in the future we are going to have things somewhere and playing a little little something. I have no idea, but you know some Logan's Run type of stuff. Um, I think that was that was that one. What was the last question? The weirdest was the 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 worst pitch. Yeah, the worst um, one. I see some bad ones. I got to remember the worst ones, but damn. I, you know, I, I, nothing comes. I see so many, so many bad ones. Do, you know, do you ever have to say like, bro, just, just not, not today, man. Just like what? Yeah, I, you I, know I, what? It does remind me of dude, a dude, a dude. The worst one I'm at because I, because I actually, if you watch the episode, there was this dude came in, and the company's called Plate Topper, and this guy was like the over analytical guy. I think a guy, I think he was, he has, I think he was almost like a doctor or something like that, and he was pitching me, and this, this, this pitch was the longest pitch I've ever witnessed. It was two and a half hours. 
and he kept talking to me and I had already said, I'm out, leave me alone. Like I was like, I was mad. Like, and he kept talking to me and I think that's the worst thing to do. You got, you got four other sharks interested and you keep talking to me. You really wanted to deal with me, but I wasn't, I wasn't messing with him. So in the middle of the pitch, I got so mad that I got up and I went and to, to the craft services, I got an apple and I come back from the pitch and he's still there. And, and, and so the producers are mad because I, I got so mad that if you ever look at that one, it's called Play Topper. At the end of the pitch, you see a little chewed up apple, uh, you know, on the edge of my desk. But, uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the most frustrating one that how, I ever had. How many of your businesses did you take on work and how many fail? Well, you know what? I'm not going to say they fail. Um, and I'll explain that why, why later. But the success rate is four out of uh, ten work. Um, uh, because you have, you have ones that, first of all, I never want to say they fail because you never know when a business is going to really spark. It could take two years, four years, five years, six years. Um, they, uh, but, uh, probably four out of 10 are, 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 are rock stars and why they're rock stars. Of course, you got a free commercial with Shark Tank that injects a bunch of, uh, attention to them, but then it, then they go back to the operators have to be good. You get the Oprah effect, right? The halo effect for a little while, and you can ride that for a little while. And just like this pivot that we're all going through, if you ride it for a while and you know how to build on top of that momentum, then you rock out. But the other six, they may be struggling or they may have just got that leap and they're okay. And then, or, or they may close but right about four. And in regular angel investing and, and venture capital investing, it's usually only two out of uh, two out of ten. Two out of ten. So it's, it's really low. It's like 20 percent really win rate. It always goes back to the 20 percent, man. 80, 20 real. Always, always. I mean, it's the same with life, right? Yep, 100 percent. I always say I always say this old saying that I really love, uh, you know, life is uh, 20, 20 percent. Uh, what happens to you and 80 percent of how you respond. Yep, and, and we gonna have to respond with this 80 percent, man. Um, I want to thank you for coming through. I want to thank you for your time, because. This is important for people to hear, like I could get on here and I do ignorance all the time and I listen to demos like you listen to sales pitches for businesses. I could do that all day. That's fun. But in this climate, we need people like you to kind of walk us through what the hell is going on and how to pivot. And you're damn good at that, bro. So I want to thank you for coming through. Well, I appreciate it. Listen, man, thank you so much for coming through when, um, you know, I was, I, I was putting out my Visualize album and, you know, and putting out the tracks you came through, man, and you were just, uh, you made that joint so hot that people, I, I still, I mean, you can't, I can't tell you how many people hit me about it. So I want to make sure the people, if they ever go, want to listen to it, man, it's, it's a Visualize track with you on it, man. You really, really yep. came through and I appreciate well, you, you, man. You know you my guy. You know you always been my guy from the beginning. So I just want to thank you again, brother. All right. Thank you, man. Stay safe, brother. Miss you. You too, bro. Be safe. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachetcha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at Fat Man Scoop. Yes, I answer DMs.